Growing up as a child, I was a saver. I saved everything. Every dollar, every dime, every penny. I mean, by the time I was 16, I had accumulated $2,500. That was a lot of lawn mowing, folks. That was a ton of painting of houses and babysitting. But I had this little nest egg, and I decided that I was going to go ahead and invest in my first vehicle, a 1979 Pontiac Grand Prix. Now, when I made this investment, there was a real sense that this was going to change my life. And I'm telling you folks, that wasn't just any ride, but it was the ride of rides. But it only cost me $1,500, and I'll never forget when the owner gave me the keys into my hand, and I'm like, it's mine, all mine. And then I went ahead and I put a system in it, a bumping system, like boom, 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 boom. And I remember I would be at, uh, you know, in my car, and I would sit down, I'd have one hand on the wheel, and then I would kind of lean back, and it would be going boom, boom. Boom. I go, hey, what's up? What's up? You know, and that was kind of uh, my car. And I took that car then to college. And then I knew I was still big man on campus. I actually started dating a girl that was two years older than me. And uh, all was well. And then one day she came to me and she actually asked, she said, hey, Chris, can I uh, borrow your car? And I was like, sure, it's no problem at all. You can borrow it. And so she took it out, and she wrecked it. She wrecked the back of the car. There was this huge dent on the back corner panel, and I finally decided I had to let her go. I mean, I still had the dent, but I wasn't going to have the girlfriend that caused the dent. And so I went on and uh, had this car for, you know, a few more months, and it was the treasure of my life. And then the most beautiful woman in the world, my wife Jennifer, came into my life. And one particular day, she said, hey, Chris, I'd like you to go ahead and actually, you know, uh, let me see your car. Could I borrow it? Now, yes, yeah, Jen, no problem. It's no problem at all. And so she borrowed my car. And as she was driving it, the hood of the car actually flipped straight up in the air while she's driving it. Now, she wasn't hurt. There wasn't anything like that. I mean, she still married me, okay? But when it flipped up straight up in the air, uh, she had to pull over. And we had to call a guy by the name of Joe. And Joe came, and he helped us take off the hood, and we threw it into the ditch. And all of a sudden, now the engine was exposed to everybody. And they could see my amazing 357 Chevy engine, okay, that was in there. And as we're driving this, I realized I was going to have to do something different. And so we started to look in junkyards for hoods. And the problem was we could not find a white hood. We just couldn't find it at all. I was kind of like, you know, we need this white hood. And we couldn't find it. And so finally we had to settle on a rusty red hood. And I put this rusty red hood on the car with my dented back quarter panel, and that was the car. And I treasured it, but it wasn't what it used to be. And eventually, folks, the car died. 
It just ended. And what I had treasured more than anything else wound up in a junkyard. Jesus said these words. Check it out. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness. No one can serve two masters. He will hate the one and love the other. Or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Folks, everything that was once in the junkyard was at one time a highly valued commodity. There was a day when it was bright and it was shiny and it was new. And somebody said, hey, uh, I want this. I want this really badly. I'll pay money for it even. Uh, I want this item. But then the moth got it and the rust got it and the thief got it and it ended up in a junkyard. It didn't last. And now nobody wants it. Folks, stuff is that way. All stuff is that way. Your stuff is that way. It's all that way. It eventually ends up, folks, in a junkyard. You're just the middleman in the midst of this. In fact, the only difference between the merchandise that's in the junkyard and at Walmart or Best Buy or American Chevrolet is just time. And that kind of leads us to our big idea this morning, and it's this. Treasure is junk waiting to happen. Treasure is junk waiting to happen. Or you might look at it as a formula. Junk equals treasure plus time. Junk equals treasure plus time. I mean, that beautiful car that you thought you would always have, it eventually ends up, folks, in somebody's junkyard. That valuable iPhone, that valuable iPad, that valuable kind of iPod, no matter how great it is, and some of you are on it right now, don't think I can't see you. Now, come on, come back to me, come back to me, people. And now you have all of these items, and they all end up eventually, folks, at the bottom of the junkyard. Your big screen TV that you can't live without, that you've been dying to watch sports on. I mean, just think about it. Yesterday, I watched the 1983 NCAA championship. Folks, I was only 12 years old. And NC State won. Everybody has known that for like 25, 35, I don't know how many years. But even the large screen TV eventually, folks, ends up in the junkyard. Now, Jesus doesn't say you shouldn't have treasures. It's a real falsity for many of us because we think that Christianity is somehow kind of anti-treasure. You shouldn't have treasure, but it's not. In fact, Jesus 
his claim is that everyone has treasures. Human beings are created in such a way that we are treasured creatures. God made us this way. A treasure is something you seek to keep because of the value that you place on it. And we see this with tiny little children all the time. They'll come with their little stuffed animals or their blankie and it's ratty and it's torn and it's ugly and it smells. Some of you know what I'm talking about. They got some smelling kind of things. And they're little and they get all wrapped into it. And yet, folks, it has absolutely no financial value to it at all. My uh, wife, Jennifer, this is her favorite stuffed animal at all times. It's Snoopy, if you can't tell. I mean, he's got no eyes. I mean, he's all kind of ratted, tatted up. But she told me, just like my daughter said last week, don't lose it, and I'm not going to. But the first time that I ever met Jennifer, uh, I saw this particular Snoopy on her bed. And I thought to myself, like, this is a worn-out kind of messed up, kind of stuffed animal. And so I picked it up and I threw it against the wall. Let me tell you, folks, that is not what I should have done. It was not smart at all. And eventually, as I threw it across the room, she started bawling and crying. And I tried to console her and she just, you know, had one of those kind of, you know, uh, cries that is just, you know, kind of ugly and it's messy and it's all over the place. And then she shared with me how when she was growing up as a child, it was that Snoopy that got her through so much. And the times that her parents weren't able to listen to her the way that she needed to, she went to Snoopy. When she struggled with tennis and being on the high school team, she went to Snoopy. When she had peer pressure around her, she went to Snoopy. When she wasn't sure what she would do in her life, that's what she did. She went to Snoopy. You see, to me, folks, Snoopy was just like this junkyard dog, you might say. Throw him in the junkyard. But to Jen, he is a valuable treasure. And it's one that we still have in our bedroom today. Now, this is what I want to say to you right now on the other side of this camera. You are a valuable treasure to God. You're a masterpiece. You're a Rembrandt. You're a Monet. You're a one of a kind. Now, for some of you, we're glad there's only one, okay? But anyways, you know, you are. That's who you are. And we will come back later to talking about how valuable you are, and how much of a treasure you are to God. You know, when I uh, threw Snoopy across the floor, the thing that I learned for the very first time in my life is how degrading it can be for a person, an adult or a child, when you ridicule their treasure. Even somebody who is experiencing homelessness, or maybe some of you are in prison right now and you're watching this live. Some of you are there, we know. You still value a letter or an old photo. It is a treasure to you. For example, 
when, when someone dies, isn't it always kind of weird that we'll keep things a lot longer than we typically would? Some of you are in grief share right now. You're, you're, you're struggling even more loneliness because you've lost a loved one. You're sitting there right now and you're wondering, in the midst of this whole kind of national disaster, where are you, God? I'm lonely, I'm grieving, and I'm lost. And we do strange things sometimes when we're grieving. We'll hold on to old pairs of tennis shoes or shirts for a very long time because they are a treasure to you. My uh, Uncle Phil was a, a huge redneck. I mean, he was a big-time redneck. And uh, he was a person that most people didn't really want to be around very much. Um, and to be quite honest, when I was a little kid, I didn't want to be around him either. And then when I became a teenager, all of a sudden, uh, I got to see behind the facade and how much that God really loved him and how much of a good person he was. And I had a wonderful kind of adult life with my uncle, and then 10 years ago, he died. And it was difficult for me. It was the first loss really in my family, and I struggled with it so much. And in the midst of all of this, I finally got to the point where as the executor of his estate, I had to actually take care of some of the objects and items that he had. And so I went ahead and for some odd reason, I saved some shirts and a a lady in the community came to me and she said, hey, if you take some old shirts, I'll, I'll make them into stuffed animals and then you can have them for your girls. And here's a picture of my girls with their teddy bear. And this is what's so crazy about this, folks, is that my girls don't even remember him, but they want to treasure something from him. And it makes myself have so much joy to see their love for my uncle. You see, folks, treasuring is a deep and wonderful part of what it means to be human. And no matter who you are, we all have treasures that are valuable to us. Now, it's very interesting that this Greek word that uh, is used for this word treasure uh, is the Greek word uh, thesaros, thesaros. Now, you might say, hey, that sounds very similar to thesaurus. That's exactly where we get our word from. And what it means is a treasure store of words and meaning. Uh, You know, folks, your lives is a treasure store of meaning. Jesus uses a variation of different kind of words of either store or treasure in that passage. But all of it is talking about how important the treasure is. So don't feel badly about treasuring. In fact, God loves the fact that we treasure things just like we love to see it in our kids. It doesn't mean that God is saying, don't treasure anything. Jesus is not saying, Don't treasure anything. Simply what he's saying is that you need to treasure the right things and not the wrong things. Don't treasure the things on earth because they're here today and they're gone tomorrow. And it's not because they're bad. It's because they won't last. They're temporary. They're on a short-term kind of lease. I mean, if the moth doesn't get them, 
The rust will. And if rust doesn't get them, the thieves will. And if the thieves don't get them, when you get old, your little children will fight over whatever that stuff is. Because whatever that stuff is, it's going to wear out, rust out, run out, and eventually there will be nothing else left in it but you. You see, folks, that's not the way it is with you. Remember, we've been talking that what the most read kind of piece of who the things are that are powerful in our life are not the things that we see, not the treasures that we have, but it truly is the things that are unseen, beginning with God, your heavenly Father, who looks down on you right now, whatever your situation is, and he says, you are not alone, I am with you, I am for you, and my kingdom is here, even though you may not see it. I mean, material stuff, folks, you see all the time. I mean, it's made up of atoms and molecules that are put together. In fact, material stuff is not treasure until it's treasured by a person, a treasurer, and that's you. I don't know if you knew this or not, but you are a treasurer by God's design. Uh, Everybody has treasures, and that means that every one of us Find a treasure strategy. You know, one of the biggest struggles I think that many of us are experiencing right now in the midst of this whole kind of national emergency and coronavirus is that many of us are scared and worried about our finances. Some of you are struggling with your finances. You're wondering if you'll have another paycheck. You'll wonder if you'll be able to make it through. You're struggling to know... Is my retirement still going to be there? Will I have a 401k? Will the mutual fund be there? What about the stock market? And we've all seen this huge drop with our treasures. In fact, a guy uh, recently uh, from church, he came up to me and he said, man, I don't have a 401k anymore. I'm like, what happened? He goes, I have a 201k. And I'm like, a 201k? What's, oh, I get it and I start laughing. And then all of a sudden I'm thinking to myself, I only have a 201K now, too. Like, it doesn't help. The truth is, is that many of us wish we could have seen the coronavirus coming so that we could have changed our investments. People always want to know the time of the stock market. We buy low and we sell high. And, folks, here's what you need to know. That when it comes to treasuring, folks, Jesus is the ultimate market timer. There are two markets, you see. There is a temporary market, and then there is an eternal market. The writer of the Proverbs, he said it so well when he said these words. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Uh, I saw another version of this in a small little poem called Money Talks. It goes like this. Money talks, I'll not deny. I heard it once. It said goodbye. And that's what we're experiencing right now, isn't it? That, That we're seeing our resources kind of go away and we're wondering, you know, Can we 
survive. And this is what I want you to know right now, that the God of the universe will provide. I don't know what your circumstances are or what it is, but this is what I know. He will provide. In fact, one of the names for God is called Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He is your provider and he will provide. Folks, Jesus is actually very pro-treasures. And he gives us some great investment advice when he says these words. He says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And then the most important treasure that Jesus says we can have is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Folks, here is what Jesus is saying. Treasure God above everything else. Love Him, serve Him, care for Him, worship Him, think about Him, adore Him, praise Him, meditate on Him, delight in Him, serve Him, be surrendered to His will, be grateful for His gifts, be directed towards His purpose, be accepting of His grace, Be secure in his love because you cannot treasure God more than anything else in the world. He is the greatest treasure. You cannot treasure God too much. Folks, I want to say that storing up earthly treasures, honestly, is a bad investment. Because they can be here today and then they can be gone tomorrow like the eagle that flies away. I read this analogy once that I found to be pretty helpful, and it said uh, this. It said, imagine that you're actually checking into a Motel 6. And in the midst of this Motel 6, when you walk in, you notice that the towels are kind of raggedy, so you go to Bed Bath & Beyond, and you get the greatest towels in the world. And then you look at the walls, and you're like, you know, they're not very good. So you go to an art gallery, and you actually go ahead, and you get this expensive kind of artwork, and you put it on the walls. And then you go to a furniture store, and you say, hey, I want to get a nice mattress and some other furniture, and you do all of that. And then you go to Best Buy, and you get this big, widescreen TV, this high-def kind of television to go into the room. Now, if you did all of that, what do you think people would call you? Crazy! You would be nuts! They would look at you and go, have you lost your mind, man? Have you lost it? I mean, nobody spends tons of money to redecorate a room in a hotel. And why don't they do that? Because eventually, folks, you know what? They're going to check out. I mean, the number one rule in hotel business is that eventually people are going to check out. So why in the world would you invest so much of your time, energy, and resources into something when you know eventually you're going to check out? And Jesus says these words again. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. And then he goes on to say, the eye is the lamp of the body. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey, live well. Live well and live in God's kingdom. But you need to be able to see clearly. I need to see the worth of the things clearly. You see, folks, when we're greedy 
And haven't people been kind of greedy lately? Like you go to the store and it'll say one toilet paper. And people are got like ten toilet paper. What's up? You're greedy. Or it'll say, hey, just take, you know, two kind of loaves of bread. And people are taking all these kind of loaves of bread. It's greedy. And when we're greedy or we give into materialism or consumerism and a lack of generosity, we all of a sudden look at the world in a wrong way. Instead of looking at what I have and being grateful, instead of looking at a need of another person and how can I be generous, instead of looking at God and being confident and secure that He is who He says He is, I look at what others have that I don't have, and all of a sudden I get envious or I get jealous, or actually we've seen it in our culture, greedy. I look at the circumstances and I get extremely frustrated, and that's when the darkness comes in. So, quick question for you right now. Here it is. Do you know what is the most prized treasure in this world? So go ahead, talk to the people if they're in a room with you. Go ahead, if you're by yourself, hey, think about it yourself. But what is the most prized treasure in the world? You know what it is? People. People. Because people, more than anything else, folks, people matter to God. And if people matter to God, then people need to matter to you. It's the people in your family. It's the people that are your friends. It's the people at your work. It's the people in your church family. It's the strangers that you don't even know. You know, this whole social distancing thing, what it's really shown me is how much I need people. How much I need people. I need my church family. You guys don't know how much I miss you. I I look forward to seeing you soon. And I I miss those hugs and those handshakes and those high fives and those hellos because the greatest treasure that we have, folks, is people. And it's the same thing that's true about you. This was so evident to me last week. Um, I got a phone call and uh, a person who comes to our church, uh, their mother died. And they wanted me to officiate at the funeral. So I met with the family, we did all of that, and uh, I got up ready to give the message, and I looked out, and it just hit me that every person there was not paid to come to that funeral. Every person came because they treasured the person. Her name was Alice, and she was uh, a woman who uh, just had a remarkable life. She, she loved God very much, and she wanted to uh, share that with her family. And uh, she actually uh, had family come all the way from Florida. I know some of you are from Florida. So, hey, you know, it's not too far to come to Indiana, all right? But, uh, but they came all the way there, and, and they said they drove all the way to, uh, all night long with four of their kids, and they were screaming and yelling and, you know, the smell in the back seat and all that kind of stuff. But they went through all of that torture in that drive. You know why? Because they valued that person. They valued Alice. She actually uh, spent much of her career being a a Ball State 
dispatcher, and it was so cool. I'd never seen this before, but there was a whole row that was kind of in the middle of the funeral home, and all of the law enforcement officers were there. And folks, I'm telling you, no one got paid to get, go to that funeral. The reason they came is because they treasured the person who had impacted their lives. Now, this is what's crazy about this story. I get done with that funeral, and I get in my car, I look at my phone, and I get a text from some friends of ours who are in our small group, and they just had a baby boy, and they wanted me to come up to visit them at the hospital. And that's where I met this little guy, uh, Gus, August Eugene. And this little guy was so amazing. I mean, he had been waiting uh, to come and see his parents, but his parents even more so were so excited to see him that, because he was their greatest treasure. They'd been waiting nine months, more than their house, more than their car, more than their 401k. They treasured him and all the grandparents and church family. Everyone was reaching out to them. And this is what's so crazy. He's only 11 days old. And like now he is this gigantic treasure to so many people. You know, this is what's interesting about the gods in the ancient world. The gods in the ancient world used people. Only the God in the Bible treasures people. So today, this is what I want you to know. You are somebody's treasure. You are somebody's treasure. God is so determined to treasure you that he sent his one and only son to planet earth to live and to teach and to be able to die on a cross. But he didn't do it just for you. He actually did it for every single person on planet earth who would choose to have a relationship. He says, I've already died for all of your sins, all of your mistakes, all of your failures, all of your wrongdoings, and you can have eternal life with me. You see, folks, every single human being has this little invisible price tag on them, and this is what it says, worth the life of God's Son. Every single one of you, you have a price tag connected to you that says you are worth the life of God's Son. You, sitting behind that TV screen right now, or that computer screen, or on your phone, you are worth so much. And God says, you are my treasure. You see, life in the kingdom says this. We treasure people and we use money. Life on earth actually says that we treasure money and we use people. Folks, the deepest desire of the human heart is to be treasured. And it's in this season of uncertainty that God wants you to know you are treasured. Now, here's the deal. Every human being and every human heart needs to be treasured. Everybody does. Often people will say, well, you know, treasuring is just one of those things like in romantic love. In fact, sometimes the church has gotten it so wrong many times where they'll say married people get to be treasured, but not single people. Folks, I want to be very clear to you right now that everybody is treasured by God. Everybody. 
Every married person, every single person, every divorced person, every separated person, every old person, every young person, every rich person, every poor person, every black person, every brown person, every white person, every atheist, Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, young people, old people, healthy people, unhealthy people, happy people, sad people, lonely people, unlonely people, People with the coronavirus, people who don't have the coronavirus, the God of the universe, he treasures you. And then he invites you to treasure what he treasures. In fact, he commands us, actually. He says, hey, you, you need to treasure what I treasure if you're going to follow me. And Jesus gives us his sound advice, the spiritual direction when he says these words. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, be careful what you choose to treasure. Because whatever it is, your heart, folks, will get all wrapped up into it. In other words, the good news is you can actually use the treasure you have, though, not to be wrapped up into the money, but to actually be generous and to give to those who are in need. This past Thursday, I experienced this because there's been so much scarcity for hygiene items in our community. And so me and a few other people said, we're going to treasure some people. And your generosity and gifts did this as we went to the community basket. And we actually just passed out hygiene gifts to people. And we were able to impact hundreds of people with over 650 items. And my question for you is this. What treasured person is God calling you to care for? Who is it that God is calling you to care for? Who's to kind of, just kind of, you know, stay stuck in our homes and never go out and never think, or we could actually, still practicing social kind of distancing, we could actually say, we're going to do some things to care for other people. Now, social distancing doesn't mean you have to go into big groups. Believe me, there's, there's not that here today. But what it does mean is that you can let other people know how treasured they are. Maybe for some of you, you could make this challenge. I did it on Friday night. I decided every single person in my small group, I was going to send a text to them and let them know that I cared for them and I was praying for them. Maybe for some of you, you could send an email to a co-worker and just let them know how valuable they are, even though you're not working side by side. Maybe for some of you, you could reach out to an elderly person and say, hey, is there something that you need from the store? Maybe for your neighbors, you could, you know, give some cookies or send a meal to them or bring one over to them. Maybe you could FaceTime someone that you have not seen in a very long time or maybe someone who you know is being quarantined right now and you could do that because people matter to God and for some of you you know as families you could really change the whole way that you're kind of doing family life what's been so great about this whole time is that our family has decided we're not going to look at screens all the time but you have to look at it at 1045 okay but uh, on Sunday but any other time uh, to do things that actually we can 
engage with one another. And so we went on a bike ride yesterday. My wife thought this was such a great idea. It is when it's 50 degrees, but when it's 32 and all of a sudden the wind's coming out and we're all freezing to death, I'm like, babe, come on, help me, help me, help you, you know. And uh, but we did it. We did a we did a bike ride together and we we went walking and running with pe- with our family and we've got out the board games and we've done that kind of thing. And if you're a family and you've been on the screen too long, do something together. Do something to treasure one another. And maybe as a family or as an individual, honestly, you could think of somebody who's struggling much more than you are. And you could reach out and you could be generous to them. You could give treasure to a person who's very treasured. So I'm not sure what God is calling you to do or what person he's calling you to treasure. But this is what I want to challenge you right now is to actually take the first step and treasure someone today. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you treasured us even before we were born. You said, I will move heaven and earth to be able to have a relationship with them. And in the midst of so much fear and anxiety, God, that we're all experiencing, God, I pray that some people would just be reminded today that they are treasured by you. Maybe for some of them, God, their anxiety is with the fact that they're finances or their tips or their salary or their car payment or their house payment or their student loan or their 401k or their retirement or their investments. They're scared, God, and they need to know that you will not leave them. God, we all have treasures and it's okay to be concerned about them, but God, help us to be reminded that the greatest treasure that we have is in our relationship with you and in people. That each person that is listening to my voice right now, let them know that they're treasured by you and you're calling them to treasure others. So this week, God, would you help us to be your hands, to be your feet, to be your ears, to be your mouth as we treasure the people around us. Because even in the midst of this social distancing, we can still be used by you to let other people know how treasured they are. Maybe you're watching there right now, and the reality is you're like, all right, I'm watching it for the first time. I don't know. But maybe you've never thought that, you know what, I have an invisible price tag. I never thought about that before, Chris, but I have an invisible price tag on me. And you just told me that what it says is you are worth the life of God's Son. Maybe today is your day that you would say, in the midst of all of the crazy, God, I can't take it anymore. I'm going to my knees. I need you. I want to be treasured by you. I want you in my life. God, I'm tired of doing life alone. I know it took this disaster to do it, but I'm giving my one and only life to you. I need you in my life. I want to be treasured by you. I want to receive your grace. I want to receive your forgiveness. 
Jesus, I want you into my life to be first in my life. You alone, Lord, I give my life to you. And if you're that person, if you're making that commitment, wherever you're at right now, I just want to say congratulations. It's the best commitment that you could make. And if you can send us an email or you can uh, get on the app and just go ahead and let us know that you are accepting, we will pray for you. We will encourage you. We'll do whatever we can to help you as you begin this road. And the first step, folks, for you is to literally to say a prayer. It's not a big prayer, but it's a prayer that we pray here at the jar. And maybe for some of you, you would pray it with me right now. And in fact, all of you who are listening, let's do this all in one. Even though we're not together in the civic, we can pray this prayer together and just repeat after me right now. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so that I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, let's give a hand to everybody who said that prayer. Go ahead. Celebrate wherever you're at. God is working. God's moving. We are so grateful for you. I just want you to know, again, if you said that prayer for the first time or you're recommitting, let us know about it online and always know that you are loved. I'll be praying for you this week. Have a great week, everybody.